Hello there, friends, and welcome to another episode of the Craftsman Creative Podcast. Today, I've got another chapter for you from my new book, Blockbuster. The current subtitle is How to Expand Your Creative Business to Seven Figures and Beyond, but I think over the last week I've made the decision to shift the focus of the book. It, it's really not a book about numbers and finances and money and profit. While we do cover those topics, it's really a book about impact. So I think the subtitle needs to change to talk about having a massive impact through your business. So I'm sure that'll change in the coming weeks as we go through this writing a book in public. That's part of how this works. I change things in real time and you're seeing how and why I do those things. And and that's why you might see the subtitle change because it feels wrong the way it is now. <laughs> All right. Well, this is another chapter of my next book, Blockbuster. If you have not uh, read or listened to previous chapters, you can either go back a few episodes in this podcast or head over to blog.craftsandcreative.co slash blockbuster. And that is where you can read the book for free. Also, if you're not on my email list, definitely get on there because I'm delivering these new chapters by email every week throughout the rest of this year as I write and publish the chapters. Um, but a little behind the scenes might be interesting too, which is throughout the month of August, I'm going to finish the book, but I will be publishing chapters once a week. And since I have probably another 25 or 30 chapters that I'm going to publish, that'll take me to the end of the year. And so I'll be publishing chapters for free even after the book is out, which is kind of an interesting way of how this works, but I plan on releasing the book in November. And I'm sure I'll talk about the reasons why the timing of that is important later on. But yeah, it's kind of interesting this time to be writing them and holding on to chapters, whereas the last book I literally was, you know, publishing two, three, sometimes even four or five chapters a week as I wrote them. So this gives me a little bit more time, especially as I have this added um, bit of the podcast with this book to really make sure that I feel good about the chapters before I publish them. So it's a little extra step. All right, today's chapter is called The Power of Resilience. And before I start, I want to thank Lulu. I was just able to chat with them this last week. We started talking about ideas for the book cover. And even though we're a few months out, it was really cool to meet more of the team there and to really dive in and start giving ideas on what I thought you know, the approach should be. So they're going to give me probably three or four different angles that we could take or different directions we could take with the book cover. And I'm really excited to be working with some professionals in the book industry on the covers. My last books, the you know, the first one I published, um, self-published was just an ebook. I designed it myself. The second one, I designed it myself. The third one, I actually hired someone on 99designs. And I'm happy with the cover, but it's not like they approached it from having lots of experience and gave me uh, feedback or insights and said, this is what I think it should be. They were just delivering what I told them I wanted. So I'm very excited to work with Lulu. Um, the fact that they have people like that in-house is pretty amazing as well. So check them out at lulu.com and uh, you know thank them for sponsoring this podcast and my blog and my, pot and my newsletter because this book uh, wouldn't be happening in the same way without them and their partnership on it. All right, the power of resilience. The third part of this mindset triad is resilience. Now, we already talked about faith and resourcefulness. So the third one is resilience. I've said it many times that I owe a sizable amount of my success as a film producer to the fact that I was resilient. I stuck around for 12 years before producing my first feature film. 
Resilience is the capacity to withstand or recover quickly from difficulties. It's really mental toughness. So for 12 years, I failed to produce a movie. I had difficulty raising money or attaching a big enough name to our projects. I was told by people I loved and trusted that my writing was terrible and then thrown under the bus with an interested investor. So for years, I was ignored and overlooked because of my age, became well acquainted with the desire to give up. Had I given up, I wouldn't be writing this book today. I attribute that gift of resilience to my father. I remember when I was young how he was promised a promotion to a managerial position at his company, only to have it given to someone from the outside. So he left that job a week later and gave his notice in the middle of December. So crazy time for any you know breadwinner to put in their notice and say, my last day is December 31st. But that's what he did in uh, 1989. I was about six or seven. I guess at this point I would be six years old. He left that job and took on a position with a company where his boss attempted to get him fired by the boss would like go into the warehouse, take merchandise from the warehouse and then hide it in his office, the boss's office. So my dad found out about this and confronted them and said, look, if you want me out of here, just give me a check and I'll be gone. And a week later he had a check and he was out. So he left that job and he partnered with a friend and a previous neighbor of ours in a shear sharpening business. Actually, I think at the time we hadn't yet moved from the Bay Area to Sacramento, so he's probably a current neighbor who was sharpening shears as his business. So I remember, you know, I'm at this point, I'm seven or eight years old, probably. I think he, uh, yeah, I think it was December 89. So I was, you know, six, seven, eight years old when he was starting out this new business. And even then, I remember the long days, the late hours, the years of building a business from scratch. There was one point where he was even working uh, three hours a night delivering pizzas for Domino's. I remember the hat and the the polo shirt hanging in his his closet. And I just remember how hard he was working and how resilient he he was and how well he took care of our family. Um, But he was really building a business from scratch, a new market of people, a new client base from scratch. And he did that for a long time until one day it just finally worked. Now he's been doing that job for over 31 years. His resilience comes from a single belief. If I can get one client, I can get a hundred. So in the early years, he would encounter salon after salon who replied, well, we already have a guy that does our sharpening, but he didn't give up. On the first day, he got eight shears from one client. That was enough to buy groceries, he told me. (laughs) He kept going. He kept knocking on doors. He kept expanding his radius until by year five, he had hundreds of clients who then referred to him as their guy. All of us who choose the path of the entrepreneur, the creative business owner, will encounter rejection, failure, and discouragement. It's our resilience that gets us through it. So the question then is, how do you cultivate resilience? I have two thoughts for you. First of all, a no from a potential client is not a no. It's a not yet. Remember my dad, it took five years, but he won over uh, an hour radius from our house over those five years and became their guy. So if you find yourself encountering a lot of no's, there may be a number of reasons, least of all being that they absolutely don't want what you're selling. Now, if my dad was going into a shoe store and trying to sell them 
you know, hair cutting shears, there's a pretty obvious reason why he's getting a lot of no's. So if that's the case for you, you're trying to convince the wrong people, which is a bigger problem that we'll cover when we talk about creating offers and building out your sales system. But besides presenting your offer to the wrong person, it may be the wrong time, the wrong price, or the wrong offer altogether. These are all things you need to rule out to ensure that you're only pitching to people who already value what you do. So my dad, for five years, went into salons and was pitching shear sharpening to people who owned and used and dulled shears through the process of doing their job. So it was a perfect fit. Having a process of staying in touch with your dream clients is an important asset for your business. My dad is famous in you know that hour radius of Sacramento for being the guy that brings Almond Roca to every single one of his clients every single year. And he started doing that early, early on. He had a way of staying in touch with people, whether or not they were using him all the time or part-time or not at all. And so these are things that you can apply to your business. How are you going to stay in touch with your dream clients? That process becomes an important asset for your business. Most of my consulting and coaching clients over the years came three to six months after getting on my email list, generally from either seeing one of my lead magnets or hearing me on a podcast. I use email as a way to stay on top, uh, stay top of mind for people that are looking for what I offer, mainly because my clientele are all over the world. So the idea of sending Almond Roca in a little box, a Christmas box to 3,500 people all over the world would be a, a business in and of itself. So I've chosen to use email because by the time these clients reach out to me, they've already been sold on working with me through email. And so the conversation is more about how to get started and how much it's going to cost compared to convincing them to buy on a typical sales call. And yet... Those no's shifts your mindset to possibility and, sorry, adding yet to those no's shifts your mindset to possibility and patience rather than rejection and resentment. So your no's become a not yet in your mind. And when you add yet to those no's, that's where your mindset shift happens. Secondly, taking on a mindset of learning from failure, and I put failure in quotes here, I don't call a no from a potential client failure, but many of us do. Uh, We're all creatives at heart, so we're fragile creatures at times. So let's soften the language we're using, and instead of calling them failures, let's call them lessons. By asking yourself, what did I learn from that interaction, you, you set yourself up for improvement and progress. Imagine asking yourself, what did I learn after each of 100 cold calls this week? or after sending out a new email sequence to your existing email list, or running an ad online to attract your ideal right fit client. What could you learn if you had that mindset? I guarantee at minimum that you'd learn that you're much more resilient than you thought you were. And with that new level of resilience, what might be possible for you now in the next few months or the next year or the next few years? Could you become the guy in your industry? So now it's time to take action. I want you to grab a piece of paper and write down the last five times you pitched an offer to a potential client. How many yeses and nos did you get? What did you learn from each one? Go ahead and write that out for each one of those last five interactions. 
And then I want you to rate yourself on a one to 10 scale for resilience. How resilient do you see yourself? Then ask yourself, what can you do to become more resilient over the coming months? What mindset shifts can you make around your business and how you approach different parts of it? If you do that, that you're going to be well on your way to becoming more resilient in the coming months as we go through this book together. All right, that's it. Thanks for listening today. Thanks again to Lulu. Check out lulu.com to learn all about how they can help writers and authors get their books out into the world. And we will see you next week.